0: Here's the ultimate thing you want to know: is to give him what I call the magic wand question. Very few times it's the location in which you live. Love is not a feeling.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast in partnership with Smartcast and Najahi Events. More about our awesome sponsors later. Okay, today's episode is all about relationships, love, romance, and finding the right man. So this one's particularly for you, ladies and guys. You might want to listen into my guest today is matt boggs okay he's the executive director of the brave thinking institute and has helped millions of people around the world attract love and develop fulfilling relationships he's also the founder of a revolutionary system of attracting love called manifest your man oh sounds good okay matt's youtube channel has grown to be one of the largest in the world with over 88 million views In addition to running a highly successful coaching business, Matt is also the co-author of the best-selling Project Everlasting, Two Bachelors Discover the Secrets of America's Greatest Marriages. If you're into love and relationships and you want to make sure that you can find the right partner for you or make sure that your relationship continues to go stronger and stronger and stronger, then this episode is for you. So cue the music for the romance section. Organizations such as Smartcasts, who are solving the problem of food security in the world, have supported this podcast because they believe in the mission that I'm on. When you understand the work that they do at trying to solve the problem with this massive population growth we've been having over the years and providing a way of bringing food safely to everybody, it really is something I admire. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. So Matt, thank you so much for coming to join us on the show today. Today is kind of like... I'm feeling a bit of love in the air, feeling a bit of romance in the air. So I know there's going to be many of my audience that are listening going, what's this guy got to say? How's he going to help us? Because my relationship's in the pits. (laughs) Or we see a lot of the time here in Dubai, we hear women say, you just can't find the right kind of guy here in Dubai. Maybe I'm going to have to live somewhere else. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do, and let's get into some questions I know that they will not want the answers to.
0: I, uh, I don't think that's just Dubai. I think that can be considered a global phenomenon, global statement, women saying, we're all, all the good men, I can't find my man. And what's fascinating is that's that was that question, actually, that, that launched me into what I do because I wanted to find the love of my life. I'm a romantic, um, whatever way I was born and raised and wired up, I always valued relationships above other things. I think it was because, you know, growing up, I would see examples of people who had all the money in the world, but they were crotchety and grumpy and not having any fun. They didn't have anybody to share the money with, like to go have adventures. And I linked up real early that if you're going to be massively successful, the only thing that makes it worth it is the quality of the relationships that you have to share those experiences with. Like at the end of the day, who's around your deathbed? What's the depth of love that you felt in this world? And so real early on, I wanted to find the love of my life and uh struggled, man, and and had tons of crash and burn relationships. And so there was one moment of a woman I thought I was gonna marry broke up with me and and my heart was in a million pieces. And and I was hanging out with my grandparents at the time. My parents were divorced, all my friends' parents were divorced, but my grandparents were still married. And I saw we were doing adventures because my my grandfather, his health wasn't doing too well. And we knew he was going to pass soon. So I wanted to spend some time with them. And I saw their relationship. I saw how in love they were. I saw that they were still flirting with each other after 60 years, like still kissing each other. Still. I was like, what is this? Like, I've never seen this before. This is amazing. And I thought to myself, I want this. Like, that's the kind of marriage I want. That's what I want the end of my life to look like. And that afternoon, I got an idea to interview couples just like my grandparents, couples who had been married, I decided over 40 years to find their secrets for what makes love last. And it turned into this big dream where my best friend and I, who were two clueless bachelors, frankly, at the time, <laughs> went on a, we went on the search for America's greatest marriages. And we interviewed over 300 couples who had phenomenal marriages over 40 years, to help educate ourselves. Like, what are we doing wrong? How can we improve and get better? And it was life-changing, man. It was, it blew my mind. And so we wrote the book and it was all about how to make love last. And as we're out there speaking on this book about what two clueless dudes learned about love, there are all these women who came up to me and said the exact same thing you just said. They're like, Matt, this is great. You're teaching me how to make it last. Can you help me with like step number one? Like, how do I attract my guy? How do I find him? How do I like manifest my man, so to speak? And so over the last, since 2008, I then got, went and got a certification and life coaching and studied everything that I could because I wanted to help. I had attracted the love of my life th- through the book process. I met her on that journey and we're still married today. In fact, this weekend is our 11th anniversary And so I dedicated my life to helping specifically women because they were the ones asking the question, frankly, saying, how can I attract love into my life? And that's what I've been doing over the last decade.
1: I think that's amazing. I think we underestimate it, don't we? I think a lot of the time... When you're in a, uh, a relationship, many people take it for granted. When you're not in a relationship, it becomes a little bit desperate. We go back to the days that I'm 52. We didn't have any of the tools at our disposal then. We just had to learn to deal with rejection in the early days to try. It yeah. was a numbers game. It really was a numbers game. You know, you'd go into the bar on a Friday night and after a few beers, you'd be like, mm, she's hot. And you would just hope she said yes when you wanted to buy her a drink, and if she didn't, you'd go away with your towel between your legs and get the Dutch courage again, and then maybe go again a bit later with somebody else. But that was that was the kind of process. I remember when I was young; it was before mobile phones. If a girl gave you her her, her home phone number, you had to memorize it.
0: <laughs> yes, there's nothing to around. write it on. <laughs> What about, and if you carried a pen, you look like a douchebag because you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, how many, how many girls' numbers are you getting out here, you know? You, like, say it to yourself 50 <laughs> times on the way home, right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that, and then then somebody would answer the phone when you called two days later, and it would generally be the mum or the dad, and they'd be like, what do you want? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, um, you have to get through the dad <laughs> to get to the girl that you want to talk to, for sure. <laughs> and oh, then you'd
1: always me. remember that in the house, there would always be other phones in other bedrooms and so you'd be having a chat with someone and you hear a click you know and that somebody had picked the phone up to either make a call or to listen into the call as well I can't believe I'm saying this out loud these are all these memories that are coming flooding back okay <laughs> so let's just first of all talk about this journey so I want to dig into that first of all you went on a 12,000 mile journey and you interviewed 300 couples uh husband and wife couples was there was there a trend all the way through it a behavior pattern um a level of respect an, an aspect of fun um something about it that's that, that, that's unusual that kept them together what was it had they had they worked hard at making sure both of them worked to keep the relationship going or were they older couples that came from a generation where it, it, till death us do part meant exactly that
0: yeah, that's a really good question cuz you want to be careful that principles that worked then, ideologies that worked then, are they even applicable today? And how how can we use some of these uh ideas and strategies? And the beautiful part is as human beings, there are timeless principles that work. And you know, we see it across different uh theologies and and philosophies and just success principles in general. And that's what I think um, you know, your show is so great at capturing and saying, okay, what are the things, no matter when you learn them, you can use them today and they will impact you today. And so there were a couple of really, really important ideas. Um one was the level of commitment that, and it's not about till death do us part from the standpoint of I'm gonna suffer through something horrible. Cause in What I didn't expect coming was many of the couples we interviewed, it was a second marriage that had lasted 40 years. They got out of the first marriage. It wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't happy. And so it wasn't just like I'm going to suffer through something horrible, but it was this level of commitment to thrive, commitment to creating something special, commitment to creating something beautiful. And here's what's great. Is that we like to think about love and what's special and what's beautiful and what's natural and what's passionate as what and we we create this fallacy is that that's what's easy. It's not what's easy. It's what you work at. It's what you commit to. It's what you say I'm going to create this result in my marriage. And like anything, I think we tend to uh, many of us tend to think that relationships uh, just have to flow. They just have to work out. But we're willing to bust our ass to write a best selling book. We're willing to bust our ass to grow a business. We're willing to bust our ass to get a degree or whatever it is, put in late nights, grind. But how often do you people, how often do people associate that work ethic with creating something phenomenally deep and passionate? Usually they don't. It's either gonna be passionate or it's not. And so one of the great lessons I took was these couples would often talk about the work to thrive, the work to create an amazing marriage. And the work was about how and commitment, right? So here, how can you measure your what? Two great indicators to what everyone's committed to. You can take a look at these two things and find out what people's priorities are in their life. In other words, what they're they're committed to. Take a look at their calendar and take a look at their checkbook. Where are they spending their time and where are they spending their money? So what these couples talked about is carving out date nights every single week Relentlessly without fail, carving out vacations, carving out romantic weekend getaways without the kids, where it's just mom and dad, you know, going away, and making sure that you're prioritizing those. And then a commitment to a way of being that says, um, you know, how am I going to connect with my spouse today? Instead of getting on the phone and just like flipping and you know, doing what's easy, and it's okay to have self care, we want to recharge and fill our own cup. And at the same time, though, what's the intention? How intentional are we being about connecting with our spouse, about deepening that relationship? So that was one. Really, really important was the priority that they put and the commitment to creating something great. Number two was this idea that love is not a feeling. I love that because as a 28-year-old at the time, I was... I wanted to find someone that I was head over heels in love with the feeling overtook me. I was just like lightning strikes, kapow, you know, and what I learned was um <laughs> that love that euphoria that we all enjoy so much is uh is it can absolutely be there and and it's important to feel that chemistry, but what they really showed me is that it ebbs and flows like there's times you don't feel in love with your partner of twenty years or thirty years, and anyone listening to this you've been married you know. <laughs> What I'm talking about you're not feeling romantic in that moment where you want to strangle them, you know, and you're like at each does other's. throat.
1: Does it take 20 or 30 years? I hope my wife's not listening to this, but yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or 20, 30 days. You're like, and so, and so, uh, but they, they, they talked about love being a decision that you make and that decision. And here's the irony is that, um, while you're not feeling, uh, necessarily fond of this person right now because you might be in an argument th- th- love is an action love means what am i how am i going to lean in in this moment and not retreat to the bedroom not shut her out not cold stone her and um and say i'm not going to talk about this but actually lean in and find the solution that the two of you are looking for and if you want later on we can talk about a great framework for how to do that but it's the decision to be willing to do it. And now here's what's interesting. When you're not feeling in love and then you act, you do something loving despite feeling it. So you write her a little note that says how much you're thinking about her. or You just decide to think how much you're going to admire, you know, what you admire about her, what you're grateful for, or what you're grateful of about him, what you're grateful for. Whatever the case is, when you decide to to act loving, the love feelings follow. That was a huge lesson for me because I thought once the love is gone, it's gone. I grew up seeing people divorce. Well, clearly love must be gone. Time to end it. I mean, that was like transformational for me. The, and the third one was every single couple talked about this and I would not see this coming. And frankly, I didn't get how to do it early on when I originally wrote the book, but later learned, and that is the power of respect. And that the number one principle they all talked about was respect because you can have respect without romantic love but you cannot have romantic long term love without respect and respect is this like baseline it's like the hard deck that a pilot's not willing to fly below because it's, it gets real dangerous when the respect goes away all of the the connection goes away the attraction goes away eventually like i've been often say um you know what do men want more than sex in a relationship Like, Is there anything that we want more than sex in a relationship? And most people say, no, man, like that's it, man, just want sex. But I would say above that, the one thing is respect. Because if you look at a man who is being disrespected over and over and over again, he won't even be able to get it up with her to have sex Mm -hmm. in the first place. And so respect being so paramount. And so uh, a couple of ideas around respect. Well, how do you create respect? Well, the first one is by keeping agreements with one another, you keep your promises, whatever you say you're going to do, you do your best to follow through. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Um, but number two, and this was one that I, I uh, learned later on from John Gottman, who was a researcher at the University of Washington. And uh, he said that what cultivates respect is when you focus on what you admire and appreciate about the other person. And so in the morning, you, you have a practice of saying, hmm, what do I really admire about this person? I mean, they could screw up three other things, but what do you admire about this person? Why are you with them? And then at night focusing on what do you admire? What do you appreciate about this person? And really bringing that into your, into your awareness and begin to feel it. And that naturally raises the level of respect. And uh, so those three things were, were life-changing for me, for sure.
1: That's, it's fascinating when you think about it, but it's also well. It's obvious, isn't it? Almost, it's like it, all and all of those things aren't you know conscious. A lot of them are, are subconscious when you don't think about them, so they have to become conscious part of what you do. Talk to me about what you learned about values. When people have a different value system, does that you know, is that insurmountable in a relationship for it to work, or? if people have different values can they kind of fit in there with compromise along the way
0: that is a great question one of the couples that we interviewed uh she had been in auschwitz she had been in the concentration camps um he was a university professor and uh and they were both jewish but they had opposing political views like massively different political views and so they would debate and they were argue and even in our interview they were like out of at each other's throats and she goes i'll just tell you this i've never wanted to, to divorce him i wanted to kill him but never divorce <laughs> and so but but here's what's interesting so it depends when you talk about values there there's layers of values there's uh family values there's religious values There's political values and of course they're all interconnected And one of the values that people have can be healthy debate, for example. Do you value someone stretching you mentally? Do you value opposition? Do you value differences of opinion? And what came clear about this particular couple is that while they had different values politically, massive different values, they both really valued a good, healthy, respectful debate heated debate they loved it it charged them up actually brought them closer together in how they debated one another and when you pull back the research on this it was really really fascinating that if you get two people some people really value peace they don't want they don't value conflict they don't want to butt heads they don't want to do it it doesn't light them up it actually puts them in distress and it and it's it erodes their well-being other people love that healthy debate. And it fires them up. It releases positive hormones for them. So you got to have two people who value the same. If you're not going to value the same things, how you handle not agreeing, you have to value the style in which you handle it. Are you going to handle it real respectfully, peacefully, calm conversations, or do you want to debate? The real challenge gets when one person wants to debate the heck out of it and the other person wants everything calm and and cool and connected, uh, then you've got yourself a problem.
1: Okay. Understood. Now with the work that you do and the people that you help, do you, do you predominantly help women?
0: Yes. hundred percent.
1: Okay. So women, uh, and again, I'm not a woman and I'm not a pronoun either. I'm definitely a man. So let's make sure that we're clear there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Give me some examples and maybe we can do some case studies and understand some of the challenges that, that some women face because, the, the, the reality is as far as i'm concerned is that it's never been easier with the advent of technology to be able to find a date let's say now mm-hmm. whether they you know before the social media platforms came along and all the other stuff online the tinders and whatnot people uh, you know if they needed to find somebody and they didn't know how there was a dating agency they could go there and the dating agency would try and match them with somebody on their books or find somebody who had, who had similar aspects to or, or, uh, similar interests and you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. When, when you, when you look, if it's that easy right now for me to just go online, upload a picture of myself, op- open an account and start swiping left or, or right, whichever way it is to choose somebody. If it's that easy now to find someone, why are people struggling? Why are women finding it hard to find their life partner?
0: Well, it's, it's because it's that easy. It's because it's that easy. So with the ease of instant connection comes the fallacy of choice. And it's the fallacy of choice means that we all think we have, I mean, you go online and you see all these options on your phone and it's misleading to think, well, you have actual, the choice of dating all those people. But well, the truth of the matter is only a small percentage are going to swipe right back on you. And like, if you were all at a bar or you're all at a party or whatever, and there's all those people, not everyone's going to be reciprocating the same feelings. And so wanting something easy, being willing to, once something struggles, you know, switch to the next thing and, or be dating. And, you know, here's the reality is that you have to assume that everyone that you start seeing and dating, they're already seeing somebody else. They're already talking to somebody else. They're probably talking to three or four other people. And so um, that becomes, that becomes one of the challenges. But I think the bigger challenge even of that is the fact that most of the people I'm, I'm guessing uh, around what's the, what's the age range of your listeners? Who are we talking to? We're we talking to the 25 year old person or are we talking to the person who's over 30, yeah. 40, 50, and above.
1: 30 to, 30 to 45.
0: So if you've gone through your first significant relationships Maybe you're married, you were married and divorced, or maybe you were with someone you wanted to get, thought you were going to get married and you haven't, or maybe you've gone through a bunch of dates. You thought you'd be married by now and you're not, or you'd be partnered up by now and you're not. One of the biggest challenges is moving forward with the shield. You don't even, we don't even know we're doing it, but we're guarded. We're not vulnerable. We're not really open. And here are the symptoms. How do you know if you've got your shield up protecting you? Often, even last night, on my coaching call, there was a woman who said so here 's my pattern: I either will attract men that i 'm not interested in i 'll go on a day i'm just not interested there's no passion there's no chemistry, and the guys that I do like there's no passion or chemistry uh with them and me like like they like either i don't like them or they don't like me. The ones that I like they don't like me." And so what's interesting about that is here's what happens. That is the subconscious mechanism keeping you safe because as long as you don't like somebody, then you don't have to really get into an intimate relationship. And as long as the ones you go for, the ones that you know, aren't going to like you or won't reciprocate for you, or, and generally it's typically, they tell you right up front that they don't want a relationship. Like they're not really available for a relationship, they just want a fling or they just want whatever. And so those are the ones that you feel more chemistry for. And it's a subconscious mechanism ultimately to keep you safe from getting hurt. And so in that that moment, people go in this cycle of frustration and pain, and they're not finding someone that they like and things don't work out and guys ghost them and don't call them back. And they're never really partnering up and or they don't have the important conversations early on in the date like first date kind of conversations to determine whether or not you two are a good match do you share the same vision for what you want in the in the love life and so the the key here is to really begin to open your heart to heal and that starts with healing the past there's a whole way to do this, you heal the past from that, those uh, from the anger, from the resentment, from the betrayal, from the hurt, all of that. And then lean into really opening your heart to find an authentic connection. And I'll give you an example of this. There was a woman named uh, Jennifer, who is a Stanford professor in her forties, never partnered up, but wanted to have kids. So she decided to do in vitro fertilization with a sperm donor and had two little boys. And so she's got this beautiful little boys And her challenge was that uh, she was ultimately really afraid of getting hurt. So she'd go on these dates, never have chemistry. And so working on the process of how do you really open your heart, heal the past. She began to heal the betrayal that she had had in the past, the abuse that she had had in the past, and do that healing work, felt grounded, really began to source where her true source of love comes from. It doesn't come from a man, but it comes from the infinite, her connection to her higher power. And so she felt really grounded in that and started dating again and ended up dating this guy. And the first time in like three years felt chemistry. Now, this guy wasn't everything she wanted. She's pretty tall and he wasn't as tall as she wanted. A guy who was a little bit taller, but he was smart and he was fun and they had a great time. They dated for many weeks and maybe like after a few dates, the two of them kissed And I remember on the phone, she was like, Matt, I felt so much chemistry, man. This man's an amazing kisser. He feels so great. And part of the work that she had done is detaching that he can be her source of happiness. He is her source of of love and all of that. And if he works out great, but if he doesn't work out, there's someone even better still. She was like, I have to believe that if someone doesn't work out, I'm not gonna find someone worse. I've gotta be finding someone better. She began to imprint that belief in her. So. Here's what happened. A couple weeks after they kissed, they were still dating, having a great time. He calls her up and says, uh, Hey Jennifer, I want to let you know that, um, I have met this woman. She's in her late twenties. She's super sexy. And while you're the kind of woman I want to marry, this is the kind of woman I want to sleep with. And she wants to be with me. And I just, I can't pass up this opportunity. And I respect you too much to not be honest with you. (laughs) So imagine how you feel in that moment, right? Like she was like, I just wanted to punch him in the effing face, right? Like, like, dude, how lame is that? On, but on one hand, but she said, so I decided to focus on the positive. At least he was honest with me. Yeah. At least he like, At least he told me the truth. I'd much rather have that. And so, for all the men listening. Women would much rather have you tell them the truth, the truth that you're not interested anymore versus ghosting them. The truth that you met someone else instead of ghosting them. It's way less painful for them to hear the truth than it is to be ghosted. And so I know the ladies right now are gonna be, amen, they're gonna write you in. Spencer and be like, yes, I want that. (laughs) Even though it's more painful. So Jennifer said, you know what? There's gotta be someone better. She goes, Matt, in a previous life, I would have been on the floor crying. I would have spent a month depressed over this guy because it was the first guy in two years that I liked. She goes, instead, I thought, okay, how would I feel if I truly believed there was someone better? She was like, I'd actually feel excited because that guy was pretty damn good. He was pretty amazing. If there was someone better, I'd actually feel excited. She goes, what would I do if I really believed there was someone better? She like, I'd get online. And so she got online that night. She messaged the hottest guy that she has could find he messaged her right back the two of them talked that night and she was like wow this guy's actually pretty awesome they met up the next week they totally hit it off had amazing chemistry they after a few dates kissed it was even better than the guy before and guess what this new gentleman his name's david is tall dark handsome everything that she wanted physically and he wanted to be a dad like one of his greatest joys was to be a dad and remember she had two little boys And so he stepped into that situation, poured love on the boys. The two of them fell in love. The two of them got married. Actually, she just sent me the photo of the two of them married uh, last week. And so that's an example of a woman who had struggled for years holding up the shield because she was afraid of getting hurt and afraid of having too much baggage with the kids and and all of that, deciding to... The main thing that she did was shift her mindset around the meaning of what it meant to be fully open and what rejection meant, and it changed everything.
1: Wow, okay, I've got to dig deeper into this kind of stuff. Okay, so what kind of mistakes do people make on first dates? What are the kind of like the the avoidables, but you just see it happening over and over again, and you're like, why me? Um, I'll give you an example of that. A friend of mine went on a first date with a girl in LA actually, and on that first date, she said, just want you to know, okay, I want two kids, a boy and a girl, I'm only coming on this date because I want you to understand I want to get married and have a family and that's a goal of mine. If that's not where you want to be, we're wasting each other's time. And he said to me, really shook me why she said it so quickly, you know, third date, fourth date maybe, but it just came out straight away. We we'd, I don't think we'd had our starters. <laughs> and um he said it put me off. They ended up they ended up getting married, okay? They did oh, end up getting
0: married. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> we didn't see that one coming. They ended up getting married
1: and had two kids together. Um, but, but oh, he, he so said funny. to me he said to me when she said it i shit myself because <laughs> no one had ever said that now is that a mistake to do that okay so we know the outcome worked out okay but as per the textbook and your experience is that kind of thing a mistake or is it better to play it cool on those first
0: dates so here's the mistake being afraid to make a man shit himself <laughs> <laughs> like, what you just said the mis the mistake is to not bring up what your true intentions are and what it is that you're really looking for now i'll give you a cool framework for how to do it in a way that doesn't scare him off and doesn't like send him running for the hills but here's the- but here's the ultimate thing you want to know you cannot scare off the right guy you can't scare off the right guy like you would have to be like going crazy and be loco to scare off the right guy. I mean, do something way over the top than any you would ever do on a first date. But most women play it so safe. They try to get the guy to like them on the first date. They try to answer the questions. I mean, not just women, but men. And we all do this. If we really are attracted to someone, we think this could be a great partner. We're like, how do I put my best foot forward? And the mistake is we get too interested in whether or not they like you. You should be focused on, how much connection do you have with this person? And the only way to have the true connection is if you're coming from your truth and you allow them to come from their truth. And what that means is you're not trying to water down any value differences. You're not trying to water down your preferences. You're just saying, hey, here's who I am and here's what I'm about. So a great question they can ask. So here's what's funny. I thought. When you first started that story, it wasn't going to end that way, but you said, oh, she said that, and then the two of them got married. Yeah, so while it almost sabotaged it, it didn't, because it's really hard to screw up the right thing. It is hard to screw up the right thing. Clearly, that was the right thing. So um, a little bit more nuanced, sophisticated way to ask that question or to share what you want is to give him what I call the magic wand question. And so this is like three quarters of the way through the first date, but you don't want to do this on the fourth date. And I'll tell you why in a moment, you don't want to do it later on earlier, the better. And after you guys have connected and had fun and laughed and talked about common interests and all of that, uh, you say, Hey, and you kind of get flirty with him and, or her. And you say, you guys, you can use this for women as well. And you say, Hey, can I, uh, can I ask you kind of a personal question? And that is a pattern interrupt right there. It like draws them in. They're like, oh yeah. And so you got to be fun and playful with this. Just the energy has to be fun and fun and playful. If it's heavy and serious, it won't work the same way. So you're like, hey, can I kind of ask you a personal question? And she'll, or he'll be like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And you're like, before I ask you though, you have to promise that you are going to be 100% honest. Like no watered down answers. You just tell it how it is. Are you in for that? And they'll, and they'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm in for that. All right. And you say, look, If I gave you a magic wand and you could create anything you want for your love life, like anything you want, what do you, what would you love? What do you see yourself like three years from now? What would you love? And let them answer. Almost everyone, number one, being primed to be honest, they're going to tell it to you straight. And number two, after asking that question, answering that question, they're going to ask you. Well, okay. That was what you got. What if I give you a magic wand? What would you want? So they're going to answer it. Then they're going to ask you. If they don't ask you, you could say, do you mind if I share with you my magic wand answer? And they'll say, sure. So that you're both sharing what it is that you would love. And from that standpoint, share your vision. But here's the key. Detach it from him. The reason your friend almost shit himself, as you said, is because he thought she meant him. Like, I want to get married. I want to have two kids. Like, and he's like, am I the guy? I don't know if I'm the guy. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And nah. you got to detach it from him. You got to So you put the energy kind of like out there somewhere. You say, you know, you know, if I met the right person, what I would love, I would love to be in a passionate marriage with two kids and, and we're, we're both supporting each other and come up, share a vision. See what she also shared was probably very stale marriage, two kids, like very robotic and like just factual put she the was energy Russian. into it. <laughs> she was Russian. <laughs> okay. So but put some energies, put some like what would you love and describe it like? I love to have an amazing, uh, passionate relationship where we have sex and we're we're super flirty with one another and we like do adventures together and we travel and we're this and that. But you're saying it as this like if I met the right person, this is what I would love. And you say, so that's that's what I'm about. And let me tell you, this is what my wife did for me. And she was literally kind of like looking off. We were sitting in the car and she just said, you know what? I think I'm ready for something more meaningful. I'm tired of just playing around and, and uh, having flings. I'm ready for something a bit more meaningful. And really what I would love is it. And I could tell it wasn't about me. She didn't even know me. It was like a first date. She wasn't even really looking at me. She was like yeah. off describing a vision. And, and I thought to myself in that moment, because I was on the fence. I was enjoying dating Nothing serious, but I also wanted that in my life eventually as well. And so I remember thinking to myself, hmm, that sounds, what she just described sounds pretty awesome. Maybe I'm the guy, like maybe I'm ready for that. Maybe I could be that guy, but there was no pressure on me. Hmm. If you do this on date four, after you've gotten to know each other really well and after you feel all connection and then you share your vision, it feels way more like you're sharing it because you want that person to be the one in the vision.
1: Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the the age group of women that typically would come to you for help, is it older or is it still very young women that are just, uh, they're in, they're twenty 25 years old and they're, they're thinking body clock, body clock, babies need to get that sorted out. What type of client do you have?
0: Spencer, I can tell just by you saying that it's been a while since you've talked to a woman about her, her biological clock because they're not talking, they're not thinking that way at 25, but at 38, they're thinking that way for sure. And that's well, what oh, I'm this is interesting.
1: Okay. So we've got a good example list. So I've got, a, um, I won't say a name to, to protect her, but she, um, she's a good friend of mine, married a DJ, ended up that relationship had to go. She knew for all of the reasons that it had to go. His lifestyle was not conducive to their life. She was a day worker. He was a night worker. Da 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 da, da That didn't work. Good, good people though. And then she ended up with another DJ. And that okay. relationship went on for a couple of years, and she's like, it's not the right relationship. It's this is this is wrong again for similar reasons in the past. But she then became incredibly overwhelmed because she's 38 and she wants to have a baby. And so she's now, what do I do? And she's in that place. Mm-hmm. How on earth am I gonna find the right person? And so I think what then happens is you start to try and apportion. Responsibility or solutions somewhere external to you. So, her yeah. example was yeah, I need to leave here and go and live in another city where I'll probably find the right kind of guy for me because I can't find the right kind of guy here rather than sitting saying, Okay, there's me, I've got to do some work on me to fix me. Yeah. And there probably is the right guy here. So, with her example, what kind of advice would you give her?
0: Yeah, very few times it's the location in which you live especially with dating apps these days and the fact that you can put your radius so wide. Very, and I'll, and I'll give you a story at the end of this example um, that demonstrates that. Uh, so the first, and this is, this is very difficult because the emotional charge on wanting to have a family is so deep. I mean, it's like, it's one of the deepest desires people can have is the desire for children. And the challenge is the fear of not having kids one day connects you to a frequency of results that perpetuates the fear. That's the challenge, is when you're in this state of fight or flight and you're in this state of anxiety around, gosh, and you're in the state of, and what that creates is rush energy. You're trying to rush the dates, you're trying to discern real quickly because you don't have time to waste. All of that sabotages the efforts. So the first stage is to do take all the steps that you can to help calm your nervous system around the timeline because trying to rush never works. And so some strategy from a very tactical strategic standpoint is freezing your eggs gives you a whole bunch more years that you have available for you. So freezing your eggs at whatever point you're listening to this. If you want to have kids, not, you may never even use them. But it's worth having them because then that helps you just relax, even if that's in the state, helping you relax. I mean, um, and then the, the second standpoint is then around calming the mind with other solutions to say, look, if it really came down to it, it could I could invest my time and energy in adopting. I could invest my time and energy in my nieces and nephews. If it really came down to it, I would be okay. If God's plan for me wasn't kids, I would trust that. And i would be okay that step one is really calming the nervous system down because desperation leads to rejection i mean we have all been on dates with someone who felt desperate it was like the most unattractive thing in the world right and so the irony here is men especially we want to feel just like women you want to feel chosen and special and selected we men want to feel chosen and special and selective and if you're in desperation and you're like i want to have kids and i want to get married It comes across like, look, any man who's halfway decent, who will be a sperm donor, I'll accept. We're like, I don't want to be that guy. Like I want to be unique and special. And so the more as a woman, you can help him feel unique and special in the process, meaning you're selective. You demonstrate that you're selective. You demonstrate that you're not just willing to date the first great guy, not willing to settle down with the first great guy who comes along. The more it will actually build attraction with him uh and then the second and then the so it's calming the nervous system is, is step number one and then step number two is about using your mindset in an empowered way and i'll give you an example of this uh, there was a woman who named julia who came through my course yes age groups it's two age groups one is the woman who's feeling like her biological clock is ticking she wants to manifest love right away and the other are people who are um, in the second phase of life where they they have adult children that are out of the house, maybe, and they've taken care of their career. And now they're ready to put love on them. And they're like, I've been single for many years and I'm ready for the second phase of my life. I want a partner, you know, women in their fifties and sixties, this particular woman was 69 and she wrote me and, and she said, Matt, there's no hope for me. Because I live in a small, little, tiny town in Canada. Like, we talk about me, there, there's no good men out there, and specifically no men in my town. She goes, solve this one for me. I live in a tiny little town, in a little podunk town in, in Canada. She goes, I have to have a man who's super smart. She goes, I'm a scientist, and I'm an environmentalist. I grow my own food. I don't drive a car. I drive a bike a- everywhere to reduce my soul, my, uh-huh. my carbon footprint. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She goes, I take solar heated showers and I will refuse to compromise those values because I know I want a man who values the environment in the same way that I'm screwed. Like there's no chance I'm going to, and I'm not willing to move. I don't want to move. <laughs> so every person- <laughs> much, then. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I often hear people say, my, I, "My, what I want is out of reach. Like I've grown my, especially those of you, you're listening to podcasts, you're growing yourself, you're you're pouring into yourself, you're developing yourself. And you're like, I want a person who's done that work. The more work you've done, often people, the objection, the paradigm or limiting belief is, I can't find a person who's at my level, right? Like they're just, I'm just not finding them. And so know this, regardless of, here's what I believe in my heart. my truth of truth is, is the desire you have for a partner is the counterpoint of their desire for you. In other words, the desire is the evidence that they exist. I don't believe that you can have a desire without the possibility of that dream coming true. That's my that's my personal belief. And so, I held that with Julia, and we worked the system, we worked this process, and uh, and staying in that field of believing, she was taking all the steps and doing all the things, and one day. A phone call came in and said, Julia, I just had a conversation with someone that I think you need to meet. His name is Ian. Oh, and by the way, when Julia told me all those things, I said, and she thought I was going to be like, you know, there's no way you're going you to, you have to bring down your expectations and standards. Instead, I said, well, what else, Julia? What else do you want? What do you really want? And she laughed and she got a little shy and she goes, well, if I can be honest with you, when I really find attractive is not only the environmentalist and super smart and the person who wants to live in my hometown and kind uh but that he wears a kilt. I find <laughs> men in kilts
1: brilliant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she goes, "I find men in kilts so sexy." <laughs> and uh so- <laughs> For those of you men wearing kilts, just know there are women that want that, baby. Yes, it fine. It's sexy. So, so I said, all right. Well, let's hold the image. Let's hold the image. So friend introduces her to Ian. Ian He's uh, Scottish. is a mathema- mathematician. Well, not Scottish. He's a mathematician. Super smart. Ian is an environmentalist. Rides a bike. Solar heated showers. Grows his own food. Ian doesn't live in the small town that she's in but he was born there and always wanted to move back the two of them met the two of them fell in love and on their wedding day she wrote me this later she goes on my wedding day she goes matt i turned the corner to walk down the aisle i see ian and we they got married like seven or eight months after they met she goes we did never talked about this i didn't know his heritage she goes he was standing in the front in a kilt
1: no he is.'"
0: He's in a kilt. She goes, Matt, I almost fainted at the end of the aisle on my, on my wedding day. She goes, this was amazing. She goes, I never thought that this was hap- would happen, but I just want to thank you so much. And she goes, I, I just turned 70 years old, but I feel like I'm 27 again. Oh, and so, man, that's amazing. What a beautiful story. That's just so, so cool. Yeah. And so it's really easy. Doubting is easy. Discouragement is easy. Giving up is easy. What's not easy is keeping the faith. What's not easy is getting back out there with an open heart again. But guess what? The people who have the extraordinary love stories are the ones who earn it.
1: That's really interesting. Really interesting. Because as you say that, I think about other people. So in, um, my parents retired to Cyprus and they, they, they were in their late 70s. And they've got some friends whose husbands have passed away and they're, they're single now. And these ladies, they're, they're lovely, they're really lovely ladies. And there's one lady that was like really, really looking for love. She's like really struggling to find love. And her son had made her buy 4,000 Bitcoin 10 years ago. <laughs> and he, he, yeah he made a buy and so she's got literally a, she had never had any money in her life but she bought bitcoin when it was like six dollars or something anyway she's got this bitcoin she didn't know what to do it for and then obviously it was made a lot of money she said, started oh, finding a guy so hard you know it's um I'm like, i sat down with her one that i said what are you looking for what, what is you looking for she went well a heartbeat's a good place to start. She said, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. Well, she said, look, I just, I want him to be fun. I want him to enjoy the people I enjoy. I want him to have a level of independence. I don't want to be kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, I've been quite independent myself for some time. So I want him to be um, have his own interests as well outside of just us, you know. And then my dad's a bit like that. He plays a lot of golf, and so he goes off and plays golf a lot. Mum goes to yoga and stuff like that. She goes, yeah, I want that kind of stuff. And I'm like, why have you not been able to find it? I said, you're here on Cyprus. This is where British people come to retire. Income tax is really low here. The numbers of retirees is high. There's obviously people that lose their partners too. And what she was doing, she. She really hadn't looked out, uh, looked at finding ways of meeting new people. She'd developed this relationship with a community of people, my mum and dad and their friends, basically, and hadn't gone outside of that group. And all of that group really were either uh, uh, married or in, in relationships. And so I, I'm like, why can't we just take up a couple of new activities? Why can't you learn to play canasta? Why can't you learn to, you know, do, do something else where you can meet new people in a different way. You're in a community where there's lots of people like that. And she was like, you know what? I'll try that. Now, I went back six months later and I saw her. And she'd been on three dates in the time between. And I'm like, what Look happened? That. She's like, Spence, one of them found out I had money. I had to get rid of him. That didn't last very long. <laughs> she said that the other two were nice. They weren't right, but they were nice. I said, but how did it make you feel? She said, it gave me hope. And whilst I'm still single, it gave me hope. And it's changed my hopelessness into hope. And, you know, do you know what? One of them told me I was a really good kisser. And I'm like, oh, don't say that to me. You're like 75 years old. (laughs)
0: there you go man love love never dies those emotions never die i love it i love it that's beautiful
1: i'm gonna tell you a story right now that i have i've told only my closest friends and now the whole world is gonna hear it so this is this is love for older people so i had a big farmhouse in the uk that my parents used to go stay at and they had a bedroom for them and so they stayed at my, my house uh, one weekend or one week or something when I was away. And I said to my folks, did you, did you stay at the house? Yes. I said, did you stay in your bedroom? They're like, well, where else would we sleep? I said, I don't know. There's something, I just, I, I worried that you'd slept in my bed. And I just think it was a bit weird if you two had slept in my bed in the house. And my mum went, well, don't be so ridiculous. She goes, why? Do you think, we, we think we'd we have sex in your bed or something? I was like, Oh mum, that's a horrible thing to think about. But you know, yeah basically she said look we did not have sex in your bed we would not have sex in your bed she said but the rug in front of the fireplace (laughs) we went at it like rabbits there and i'm like oh i can't believe that you would say such a thing but that that goes to goes to show that even when you get into your 70s Clearly, many people uh, are still doing it and having fun with it. This is
0: absolutely right, man. That was one thing that I wanted to know from these couples. I was like, "Are you still having sex?" and uh, and it was inspiring because who wants to, at whatever age, you know, give up sex and enjoyment and and passion and and all of that? And so, so many of them were like, "Yes, we still have sex." as one of the key ingredients for them being happy. So I love that. Kudos to your mom and dad, man. That's awesome in front of the rug. <laughs> <laughs> and now the
1: whole world is gonna hear this and it will get back to them for sure. I know that he, when he's on the golf course on his own, I know he listens to the podcast. I just, I'll tell him this one's boring and he shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> All right, good. So I had a couple of questions and I've taken lots of your time. Um, if, so if I was struggling as a woman, and I came to you, what would be the process that we would follow?
0: So there are three categories that we really look at. Uh, And so the first category is creating what I call a love abundant mindset. And so this was the first thing I did with, with Julia. And it was coming up with what is it that you, what would you really love? If you could have it any way you wanted, what would you really love? And to create a vision for the relationship that you want, and there's a few interesting things that happens when you really let yourself come up with what it is that you would love. Lots of people, you know, when we're looking, we're we've got an idea, but very few of us are really specific on a few things. So, uh, the what are the qualities in this man that you really want? How much time are you having together? How often do you have sex? What kind of vacations do you take? Like, what's the quality of this relationship? Describe it and then come up with three specific images that it all worked out. Imagine you're living the relationship of your dreams. It all works out. What are three specific images that it worked out? And as they begin to visualize those, what happens is it it begins to impress in their subconscious mind the reality of this relationship which does two things. Number one, it wakes up all of the subconscious beliefs that aren't in alignment or aren't in harmony with that vision. And believe me, if, we're, if we don't have a result in our life, it's always because we're not in alignment with that result. There are beliefs we have, there are actions we are not taking, there's patterns to our life that aren't in alignment. Otherwise, we'd have the result in our life. And so what happens is you start visualizing this and what you want, all kinds of stuff comes up. The number one belief that comes up for all of us regarding any kind of next level result is I'm not enough. Is that I'm not, what if I'm not good enough? And so in the case of relationships is what if I'm not attractive enough or funny enough or smart enough or equipped enough or experienced enough or, and so as these paradigms or limiting beliefs come up. And so there's a process to releasing and repatterning those and installing the pair of the belief systems that are aligned with what it is that you want. So so that's all phase number one is the is love abundant mindset. Um, and then phase number two is a love abundant heart set. And what that means that we talked about the shield before. Yep. And we go through life with a shield and it's because we're, we tend to be guarded. We tend to hold ourselves back. We tend to want the sure thing. They have to prove that they love us before we are willing to even open up and so on and so forth. And it just doesn't work that way. So uh, the Love Abundant Heart Set is about the forgiveness work, releasing the, the ex. Let me just say too, the moment you release your ex, watch, mark my words, anyone listening, email Spencer, let them know this happened. Because the moment you release your ex, you can guarantee that something's gonna happen. I don't want you to misinterpret it. When you really get over your ex, they're gonna call you back. They're gonna reach back out. They're gonna text you and they're gonna be like, hey, what's up? And it can be confusing because if you really love the ex, you can be like, well, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is a shot. We could get back together. Mm -hmm. No, there's a reason you guys broke up. There's a reason it didn't work out, right? Do not retreat and go backwards. It's a sign that you're progressing forwards because what happens is you're, we're not confined to this human body. Like our energy stretches out far beyond anything we can even measure. Case in point, have you ever thought about someone and then the moment later they called you and they're like, hey, you were just on my mind. We've proven this, that we've got psychic connections with people. The moment you release your emotional attachment to your ex, they feel a disconnection of power. They feel a loss of energy. Them reaching out is to trying, they're trying to get it back that's it. They don't necessarily want to be back with you. They're just trying to get that energy back. So ah. don't misinterpret that. So so the love abundant heart set is you're free from the past and you're wide open to moving forward. And then the third phase is love abundant skill sets. And this is huge because relationships are just like any other area of our life, like health and exercise. If you don't have the skills, if you don't like, if you're going to exercise and work out, there's a way to do it that's healthy and creates beautiful results for yourself. Relationships are the same way. And if we're not taught the skill sets for how to communicate boundaries, how to communicate uh, your standards, how to overcome uh, an argument that you're having, right? How to build attraction, right? Masculine and feminine energy that 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 is polarized and creates that attraction between two people. If you don't know how those things work, then then you could meet a a great person only to have it explode later because you just don't have the skill sets. So that's the last phase is the or the skill sets to help these relationships spark, take root, and then flourish.
1: So if I follow the process, I come to you, we go through all of this together, I'm essentially gonna be in the right state of mind, I'm going to be in the right heart set. I'm just going to be tuned in to now moving forward to finding the right person and open to all that comes my way so that I can make decisions that work for me or uh, against me. Yeah.
0: Yes. And then you've got the skill sets to be able to uh, nurture the connections that do come your way in the right way.
1: Like the and like the tool you, you like mentioned it. like the tool you mentioned earlier where rather than say i want I want two kids a boy and a girl okay let's you know I would pitch the magic wand okay great got it
0: yeah the magic wand question exactly or how do you so many women today you talked about what's a challenge today so many women today want a masculine man and mas- just to put it out there masculine and feminine isn't tied to male or female we all have both masculine and feminine energy, and we get to move with whatever energy we've learned that gives us the best results. Challenge is if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business leader or an executive, you've learned masculine energy. Most likely you've learned masculine energy gets you what you want in business. And then you take that into your love life and you wonder why you're attracting men who aren't in their masculine or, aren't, or who lead with their feminine. Well, it's because you're so grounded in your masculine. Masculine attracts feminine energy and vice versa. That was a major learning th- curve for me because I got taught how to date from my sister who had all kinds of results by leading with her feminine energy. I saw that and I saw what she was doing. She's like a little bit older than I was. I was like, and so she, I got real great results in drawing women to me by harnessing my feminine energy. But guess guess what kind of woman I got? Mm. A masculine woman. She Rug- wanted to be the masculine <laughs> and while there's no well there's nothing wrong with that the the we either butted heads or the attraction deflated real quick because i naturally go to my masculine energy that's where i live from but in dating i learned the opposite so i had to learn how to date leading with my masculine energy um, and that made all the difference in the world and so i think that's one of the biggest confusing things going on right now especially men, we don't know uh, what the woman wants or expects from us. We don't know if she wants us to lead from the masculine or if that feels like it's, it might uh, be offensive to her. Like it's just, it's so confusing right now. So helping, uh, if I can give one message to the guys and I've been coaching women for a decade, they are desperate for men to step up and lean, lean into their masculine energy and lead. Masculine energy is not machismo. It's not um, uh, diminishing or aggressive energy that 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 makes the feminine passive or steamrolls her. No, no, no. That's not. That's toxic masculinity. But healthy masculine energy that leads and plans and helps the feminine feel safe and seen and sexy. That they're desperate for that. So if you're a man, you want to stand out from tons of other men lead with your masculine and it's going to be a game changer.
1: All right. There's the tips for the guys there as well. What a great chat I've had tonight. Matt Box, thank you so much for coming to join us on the show. That was fantastic.
0: Thanks Spencer.